Migrants in Ireland. Hi there, welcome back to Migrants in Ireland. Uh, today I have an interview with Ini Usanga. Ini is telling her her story of how she got to Ireland, uh, which is quite uh, a difficult story to tell. I had never heard of reproductive abuse uh, before this, but um, this story will definitely move you. And Ini is an amazing woman. She's a very brave woman. She's also started her own charity organization, which you can hear about in the end. And uh, I will give you all the links again also on my blog, which is immigrantinireland.com. Just have a listen now to this story. My name is Inyo Bong Usanga. People call me Ini for short. I am originally from Nigeria, but now I'm an Irish citizen and I'm very grateful for that. Um, I came to Ireland in 2001, not by choice of my own. Okay. Anyways, yeah, I was practically forced and bullied into coming here. But um, now I'm in Ireland. Ireland is my new home and I have found new family here as well. Obviously, when you're not in your original place of birth, you build up family as you go along so I have a new family here in Ireland. Would you tell us a bit more about your story of how you got here? Okay I got here like I said not by choice of my own. Um, I was married and um, I was bullied in that marriage to come but another thing or another reason I came is because Islam Muslim war I would call it or battle that was in Nigeria at the time but when I came in obviously that was the only thing I put in front he didn't mention about what I was experiencing in my home reason being I loved my husband and I didn't obviously want anything that would put stress on that relationship so um, he had bullied me into coming here anyways and he had threatened me and I had no other choice but to leave Nigeria. I came into Ireland with um, strange people. I would call it a form of human trafficking anyways. Because it is that form. Because I didn't know the people I was being handed to. I was just being passed from one person to another. And I ended up in Dublin. Uh, sorry, in the north of Ireland. And then um, came to the southern part of Ireland, Dublin, um, with, public with a taxi. I had nothing on me. I was pregnant. I had no clue on how to be a mother. I was very young. I was very naive and in a new country in the winter. So that was very challenging for me. It did put a lot of stress on me as a person, but who would I tell that to? Who would understand me? So I sort of kept all of this to myself and buried it and didn't talk about it to anyone. But um, I suppose within that whole coming to Ireland thing I found out that um, there were other reasons why my husband at the time wanted me to come here he didn't love me like he said he had said that to me in front of my family my mom, my dad and um, practically I was being used as a child bearing machine you know um because he didn't just love me so he couldn't live with me as a wife so probably I was irritating and most of the times obviously when you know couples want to have their intimacy he couldn't unless he had watched pornography 
That is very disgusting to happen to anyone in a marital situation, even if you're just even dating the person, you know. But on top of all of this, anyways, there were other um, scenarios where he, um, you know, in Nigeria, actually, having a male child is like, is symbolic. There is, I don't know what it is, but there is something attached to having a male child. So he, in his previous relationship, he had a daughter, and I think um, from what I on I um, came to understand years into the marriage, um, after that pregnancy between him and the um, lady he was dating at the time, who he had his first child with, they had um, series of other pregnancies which they terminated, and that um, affected her womb. She couldn't have kids anymore. She had gone into another marriage, but because she couldn't have children, she left and went back to him. So I suppose he understood that she couldn't have children. He wanted a child and probably wanted a male child. So I was a scapegoat. So he used you? He used me, yes. And that is a form of reproductive abuse, really. So I had a male child, and I suppose he didn't want any more children because when I had my second pregnancy, he asked me to abort it. And I refused, and that puts more stress into an already stressful relationship. And I, before that, before my second pregnancy with him, anyways, he had um, sort of connived with his friend to um, sort of put me in a very vulnerable situation because his his close friend, who was one of the best men for the marriage, asked me out. And I told him that normally your husband should be protective of you. But he didn't. He didn't even question the friend. Instead, he gave me a tape recorder and said to me, go with my friend. I did out of respect and out of probably to have an evidence of, of some sort. But it didn't just end there. When I came back, he would listen to the tape and even ask me questions with, you know, scenarios that he thought was going on and asked me to go again and again and again and it came to a point where the friend of his said to me oh Ini, let's go for a weekend in a hotel i came back and i told my husband at the time and he said to me you have to go and i found that really really strange because all along you knew what was going on you never questioned your friend you never said anything about it and now you're asking me to go to a hotel with him to do what for goodness sakes you know, so I kind of found that very suspicious and I wasn't comfortable with the whole idea of even being in the same room as his friend. Who knows what will happen? So I refused to go and that got him very, very angry. You know, he got very upset, but that didn't bother me. I wouldn't just go because he said when he comes to the hotel, he would pretend that he's coming to the room for room service and then he would take pictures of me with his friend. So that in my mind rang a very suspicious bell. Why do you want to have pictures of me with your friend in a hotel? And then I just quickly had a flash of a thought that probably this guy wants to set me up. So I would be the adulterous one and he would take my son off of me. Which I think was the reason he gave he got married to me in the first place. But I didn't do it. I didn't go and I left okay. Nigeria and came back to Ireland. So. And so you were here all on your own. Yes, I was. How did you cope with all this? It was very stressful. I became very depressed. 
I became even suicidal because you know people judge you without knowing your situation um, even though he used to come into Ireland but he wouldn't stay for long he would come probably for three or four days five probably at most and then go back to Nigeria but it was a very kind of it was a mentally abusive relationship and I had no evidence to say to anyone this is what I'm going to my family didn't believe me or they didn't want to take sides with me I don't blame them now because probably they were only acting in a way they thought was best for me which I now understand but at the time I was very upset why my family wouldn't stand for me especially when someone says to you in front of you as a parent that they didn't get married to your child for love you should question them why did you get married to my what was the whole idea what was the reason behind the marriage but they said nothing and that really got me upset so I then decided to stand up for myself since no one else would I then decided I wouldn't accept this sort of twisted complicated relationship anymore mm. I said I would have nothing to do with such person because he wasn't my husband he was just using me for his own best interest and I don't think anyone should be put in that situation where they are a slave to someone no. for the sake of anything it shouldn't happen to anyone and I decided to back off then my parents my family didn't accept it you know they didn't they were not in support of it obviously but I suppose it was for my own best interest for my sanity um, for my health sake because I became suicidal I was on lots of different medications I couldn't function during the day without taking medication I couldn't sleep at night without taking medication why would anyone live like that that is living in bondage you know I have already been abused in different ways by different people so I decided no more because my life was just one big block of pain yeah. I forgot what it felt like to be loved and to be happy. And I had little kids. Obviously, your kids will become what they see in you. So I don't even think my kids were happy. I couldn't function as a mother properly to them. I was just being a provider. But there wasn't really, in my own opinion now, that the relationship is different between me and my kids. I was only trying to please them, you know, to fill in the void. Because my son would always ask me, Mom, where is my dad? And that would always make me cry. So I was always doing things to fill in, you know, the void for him not to feel like a child without a father. And, you know, even when I said it to his father, that didn't move him, you know. So I suppose for me to be happy and for that happiness to to be transferred even to my children and for me to cope as a mother I had to do something for me and I took that decision to walk out of that relationship but I suppose life has its ways of um, turning pain into joy because now I'm very happy and now I don't hold anything against anyone, even for the people who have hurt me. You know, I decided to forgive mm. so I can move on. 
Although forgiving doesn't necessarily mean you're in good terms with everyone because there are still people who hold to their opinion about my decisions, but then I forgive and I really, really would love to have a blissful relationship with every member of my family because they are my family and I really, really do love them and I do miss them, but I would not give in to anyone I would not sell my happiness for anyone. I am the most important person in my life. So I have to be happy for me and not continue in living my life to please every other person but me. Because that is what I did for a very long time. You're a very brave woman. Really. Thank you very yes. much, Ross. I think you, you founded an organization yourself. Oh, yes, I did. I founded Love and Care for People with, a fr- a f- with the help of a few friends. Love and Care for People gives back to Ireland because Ireland took me in when everyone else rejected me. So it's a way for me to say thank you to the people of Ireland and for Ireland and also to give back to the very foundation of where I started in Ireland. Mm. I was an asylum seeker when I came in here. So it's also a way for me to give back to that system and also to take care of vulnerable people irrespective of where they are in the world. If I can reach them, I would reach them and what I would exactly, do what I can. How, how, what, what exactly do you do with your... With Love and Care for People, we um, have activities for children, for teens, for youths, for women. When it comes to seniors anyways, we only like we do visitation and okay. um, small handiwork that we can do. But for kids, we organize lots of activities, especially, you know, for children in the direct provision. Yeah. Um, we have organized with the support of a um, few people who donated financially to us. We organized um, trips to the cinema, which was like heaven for the kids that went. Because many of them have been here for years. Some of them for seven years, but have never been. So it was like heaven. And that really made me cry. Just to see the joy on the faces of the children. Uh It was an outstanding experience. And we brought them to Cork on Ice. We have brought them to the indoor play center in Malo. You know, just anything to give fun to children so they don't feel left out. You know, you have friends in school, they talk about things you have never been, you're feeling deprived. I don't think children should grow up like that. Yeah. And then for women, we would organize different activities. We organize um, sewing classes, hair braiding, bead making from recycled materials. We use paper. Um, we do makeup application, cookery. We also do literacy support, English lessons anyway, for people um, that English wouldn't be their first language, obviously. And um, for boys, we like we have specific trainings for boys i suppose it's grooming them to accept and to treat women nicely and for them to love themselves because i suppose if you're able to appreciate yourself and to value yourself you can place that on another human being and this is what we do that's amazing. You're doing fantastic work. <laughs> Thank you very much. And is there a way people can contact you? If, um... Yeah, um, by phone. Um, you can reach us on Facebook. Our website has been updated. But on Facebook, you can reach us. It's Love and Care for People Worldwide. Um, you can reach us by phone. 
0899540247 or by email love and care for people at yahoo.com or one word and in lowercase. So that was the very moving story of Ine and um, I will just give you the URL again of the Facebook page Love and Care for People. So it is just www.facebook.com forward slash love and care for people in one word and the email is info at love and care for people.org the website is in construction so um, that is just love and care for people.org but it's not uh, up and running yet it will be soon though so um, it might be nice if you have a look have a visit like the facebook page and maybe you can get involved in this i would like to thank Ini once again for her very brave interview and if any of you who are listening would like to get involved in my uh, little project here of interviewing migrants and letting their stories be heard, why don't you contact me? My Facebook page is uh, facebook.com forward slash migrant in Ireland. And you can contact me there, leave a message there. Okay, thanks very much for listening and I hope you come back to me next week. Bye bye. <laughs>